Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Making It to the Mic. I'm your host, Stephanie Pam Roberts, and today I'll be talking to Joey Shaoyo. Joey and I actually met through Maria Pendolino, who was my first guest on the podcast. I love doing this interview because Joey has such a warm, friendly vibe, and she's so easy to talk to. We cover everything from working in medical narration and the excitement of live announcing to creative ways to market yourself to spreadsheets. The accounting spreadsheet I use is actually one that Joey created. So let's dive in. Here's my conversation with Joey Shalio. Well, hello, Joey, and welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Hi, Stephanie. I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. So I like to start every episode with just a very simple question. How did you make it to the mic? Tell us what your journey was uh, and what you did before voiceover. Sure. So uh, before voiceover, um, I graduated college, undergrad, with a degree in uh, ornamental horticulture. And I... Wait, what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love plants. Um, and I worked for a large commercial landscape company um, for a number of years in the Washington, D.C. area. And... Uh, I had always performed my whole life, uh, all through school and high school and college. And even as I was, you know, running a landscape crew during the day, <laughs> I would I would do community theater and stuff at night. Um, and just, you know, I, I, I hit a, it was pretty early on. I just had that that moment of like, is this what you want your life to be? Or do you want to chase the dream? And if you're going to chase the dream, you do it now, right? Do it, do it at this early stage in your life where it's, there's, very little uh, risk that you're taking, um, and you're not responsible for anybody else at this point in your life. So let's just let's just do it. So I left the 401k plan and the um, you know, health insurance <laughs> and full time job, uh, and applied to grad schools for acting. And I got in to um, what was then at the time the Actor Studio Drama School at the New School University in New York City, which you may remember that show Inside the Actor Studio with James Lipton. Um, so that's the program I was in, and that that show was a class we had to take every other Monday night. What? Um, and so yeah, it was, it was great. It was awesome. So uh, so yeah, so I came to New York City and uh, went to grad school, got an MFA in acting, and um, and even in grad school, I had some of my voice teachers you know, kind of pull me aside and say, you might want to think about voiceover um, as just another, you know, thing to pursue when you get out there. Uh, but I didn't really, you know, pursue it all that much uh, or think about it all that much until after I graduated and I was auditioning really for anything and everything that I could. Um, my first little bit of success came in live announcing. Um, I was the on-field host for the Staten Island Yankees minor league baseball team. Cool. Um which was so fun. <laughs> I, uh, and it was really a great uh, training ground of, um, you know, talking into a mic and also a little bit of on-camera training because you had to stay in frame on the Jumbotron and learn how to interview fans and how to clap with a microphone in your hand and all the stuff, which they taught you. Um, and so uh, so that then grew to more live announcing. Um, I became an announcer for the New York Roadrunners in the city and announced uh, their foot races in Central Park and the New York City Marathon and stuff like that. Um, and so from that live announce experience, um, uh, people, you know, just in my my small sphere knew that I was a person who could talk into a mic with confidence and sound OK. And so I had a friend who uh, was working on a, uh, a political campaign, a very small campaign. 
and wanted to know if I would voice some ads. And um, I said, sure, yeah, no problem. Um, so I did that, and and that was my first voiceover job. And, uh, you know, I went to a studio and we recorded it. And I remember leaving thinking, that was really fun. <laughs> like, maybe I should do more of that. Uh, so I, I literally went home and just Googled a uh, voiceover class, New York City. And um, one of the first ones that came up was for Edge Studio, which at the time was uh, across the street from where I lived. So I was like, oh, well, let's do that one because that's the closest. <laughs> so. Um, so I went to Edge and um, I started uh, training there and, and taking some coaching sessions and, you know, working towards a demo. And while I was training, um, they called me one day out of the blue and said, uh, you know, you seem uh, nice every time you come and you're always on time and professional. And um, uh, we have a job opening and we thought maybe you might want to apply for it. And I said, you are correct. I do. <laughs> so uh, from 2009 to 2014, I worked at Edge. I headed, I was the head of their education and training department. Boy, w- working there was like getting a master's degree in voiceover. I learned so much, not only from um, the voiceover side of performance and, you know, the genres you can work in um, other than commercial, but the engineering side. Because Edge, a lot of people don't know this, but Edge is also a production studio. They're, they're kind of a business in two halves. Um, and so just learning from the engineers that worked at Edge on, uh, you know, editing and software and, you know, all of the all of the technical stuff, um, I really got a great education working there. And so while I was working at Edge, I was, you know, building a voiceover career on the side. Uh, first, it was supplemental, and then it kind of became, you know, a little, little by little, bigger and bigger, um, until in 2014, uh, I felt like I could make the leap to full-time talent. So I stepped down from my role at Edge and and made the leap. And that's where I've been ever since. That is such a crazy story. I never knew that you started in horticulture. I know. I know. It's so random. But I do like I'm a total plant lady. Like my apartment right now, I've got like I've covered in, in houseplants and I'm excited about a garden this this spring. So yeah, no, I'm, I love digging in the dirt. That's so funny. I feel like I've I've known the part of the story where you got the MFA but I did not know what you did before that. I guess I assumed you went for a liberal arts degree in, in college, in undergrad. So did you get to take the classes at EDGE while you were there? Um, yeah, I, absolutely. Well, And it was also kind of part of my job, getting to know the curriculum that we were teaching, right? I'm, here I am overseeing this department now. Um, I better know what I'm talking about. So, so yeah, so I took the classes not only, you know, to educate myself as a talent, but to educate myself in the role of that position. Um, and and coached with some of the the coaches that uh, we had there at the time, and and also just like listened in. That was the honestly that was probably where I learned the most. Is one of the stu- one of the studios that Edge at the time uh, we were in a different location than they are now. But um, you could walk into the studio and the talent in the booth um, couldn't see you, so they just saw the engineer. They were looking out into the window, and so I would just open the door and and just sit in a chair where the talent couldn't see me and just listen. Just listen to how they, you know, did stuff, um, listen to the direction that they were given um, and see how they adjusted. And and that was it was it was just a great education all around. Um, and then, you know, I had the the lucky benefit of if you you know work at a voiceover studio, uh, essentially my home studio was was Edge. After I was done working for the day, I would then pop into one of the booths to record auditions or jobs or whatever. Um 
And so I was lucky that my my very first home studio, quote unquote home studio, was an actual voiceover, you know, professional voiceover studio. Oh, I was going to ask what was your first home studio, but there's the answer. Yeah, I know. I always feel like when people ask me that, I'm like, hi, yeah, I kind of cheated. I feel like I cheated a little bit, too, because my husband is a sound engineer, so I didn't have quite the same learning curve as as some other people did. Um, when did you build a home studio in your actual home? Yeah, so when I when I made that that leap in 2014, um, I knew I was going to need uh, really because already at that point in my career, I, I had clients that were used to you know the sound they were getting from Edge and 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 you know commercial clients and things. So I knew I had to have a broadcast quality studio right out of the gate. So I'd been saving my pennies there, um, and I got a Studio Bricks booth. Um, when I made that leap to full-time talent and got, and that's that's when I'm still standing in today. That was six years ago. Um, so yeah, that's that was my first real quote-unquote home studio. And and thankfully, because I did have that education of at Edge, like I knew exactly what mic I wanted. I knew what exactly what you know um, interface I wanted. I knew how to work. Uh, you know the the software they use at Edge is Pro Tools, and I'm not endorsing Pro Tools by any means, but I already knew how to work it, so I was comfortable. You know from the get-go. Um, at home. I feel like the recording software, there isn't so much like an industry standard. There there are and there aren't. You know, I feel like there's wiggle room there, whereas like a mic is different. But if you're comfortable working on Audacity and that's free and that's what you like to work on, yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's what I always say. Like if, if I had learned on something else, I would have used something else. Because like, like Pro Tools is like, I make the joke, it's like, you know, using a jet engine to cross the street, I, you, know, <laughs> you know, really gets the job done. But do you really need all that power behind you? Um, but just because that's that's what I learned on, uh, and I've never challenged myself to go learn another software program. Same. My husband was familiar with Pro Tools, used it for his job, and he was like, well, you know, if you want, I can teach you, I can show you how it works, and I'll show you basically the little tiny bit of it that you'll need to know, and we'll leave the rest. And I said, that sounds great. What were your favorite classes to take at Edge? Or I guess favorite genres to take class in, too? Well, I really felt like my eyes were opened there to the different genres. Like, I mean, I I was definitely an actor who thought voiceover at the time was just commercials and cartoons. And it wasn't until I started uh, working at Edge that I, I really was introduced to the genres of e-learning and medical narration and corporate narration and... Um, and, you know, even then, uh, right out of the gate, those those three I just named, e-learning, medical narration, and corporate narration, um, I was kind of strong in off the bat. Um, I will say uh, commercial, uh, I had to get better at, <laughs> to be totally honest, because I was a theater actor, you know what I mean? And so, uh, so it takes that kind of deprogramming to calm it down a bit. So, um, so yeah, I would say that's kind of one of the things that uh, really opened my eyes at Edge was just the breadth of work that's really out there other than commercial and cartoons. Um, and then also, I, I love coaching. I love one-on-one coaching and, and taking direction. And that's even part of the, what I love about sessions now is, you know, working with different directors in every session because everybody gives direction differently. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, you know, if you're an athlete, like, you know, can you can you do this? Can you do that? Can you, you know, and, and uh, it just feels good to kind of like flex those muscles in different ways. What do you like better about um, taking a one-on-one versus being in a class? Is there something about it that you enjoy more that you can pinpoint? 
Um, I think it's just that that kind of that connection that you have with uh, with a coach. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love group classes too because uh, you get to hear other people work. Like I was just in a, a group class probably two weeks ago with some some other talent that are are good friends of mine, but I've never heard them read. And hearing them read, it's just like, oh man, you're so good, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that is eye opening as well because you hear people you know, approach scripts in different ways than you would. But yeah, I, I think uh, versus taking a a group class on uh, technique or uh, the business side of the industry or something like that, um, I just, I loved getting into the meat and potatoes of, of coaching. Um, and I know that you are, you know, a big fan of the business side and of yeah. data and spreadsheets. So can yeah. you tell us like kind of how did you get into that? How Where did that come from? Um, and, you know, what your favorite thing about that is. I've just, I, I mean, the the horticulture probably lends itself to, like, nerdy people. <laughs> like, you know, I liked, I like science, I like math, um, and always did. Uh, and and so, and as far as from a business perspective, um, I, I was really lucky. I had a parent who was also interested in, in personal finance and, and business. And I remember my dad, he came to me when I was, in second grade, and uh, he s- explained how compound interest worked, and um, and we opened uh, a mutual fund account for me to start saving for college. And so together, we would, uh, uh, you know, he would select the funds that we would invest in, and then he made an Excel spreadsheet. And every Sunday, when we would get the Sunday paper, and they would list the prices that those those shares closed at for the week, I would go in and I would update the spreadsheet. And so I could physically see the money grow hmm. over time. It was just, a, an, you know, it seems like a very simple exercise, but that really kind of But what a great stuck life lesson. Me. Right. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Um, and so, you know, just through that, like, I, I loved Excel. I love data. I love learning what that data can tell you about you know, your your business and and other things. And so, uh, yeah, so just kind of, you know, as a person, Joey as a person nerds out on personal finance and uh, listens to, you know, podcasts and you know, things like that. So it, it just carried over into the business side. And I and I didn't realize, you know, as an actor with an MFA that in going into voiceover, especially the way it is now, that you really are going into business for yourself and I didn't know that was going to appeal to me, but man, it sure did. Uh, I, I love having relationships with clients. I love I love the negotiating part. I love the um, the marketing aspect, like figuring out ways to be unique and different and um, and authentic. Um, so yeah, so the the whole business side of it just it was a it was a pleasant surprise that I didn't know I was going to like so much, but I really do. I love that. I feel like a lot of people are scared of that side of it because they come from an acting background, maybe, and they don't know it. They're not comfortable with Excel spreadsheets. I mean, I took a class in college called, well, this isn't really what it was called, but we called it Computers with Carl. And that was my math class as a BFA. (laughs) So I did learn how to build an Excel spreadsheet, but not really, you know, not not the kind of stuff that we kind of really need on a day to day with accounting and keeping track of things. Yeah. And you so generously shared a spreadsheet with those of us who were at the evocation conference this year. And I immediately deleted my old spreadsheet and transferred all the, <laughs> the numbers and things to your spreadsheet and, you know, continued to use that. And it's 
it's eye opening when somebody who really does know how to make a, a great spreadsheet and who knows what needs to be tracked. All of a sudden you you put it in there and you're like, oh, this is what I needed. I needed that info. Oh, great. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear, Stephanie. Yeah. It, you know, and it's it's like that aspect of voiceover, I think, along with the tech side of things, you know, having to be your own engineer is new, is different. You know, I think back in the day, you used to be able to say, I'm a voice actor. I walk into a, a studio, I do my script, I leave, and, you know, my agent or whoever at this, you know, the studio, the production company takes care of all the rest, and I go home and I walk my dog. Yeah, and those days are gone. Yeah, they are. So what uh, what's your favorite kind of, I like to call them muggle tasks, you know, the things that we, <laughs> the businessy things. What's your favorite of those, you know, to kind of dig into? Is it the marketing? Is it, you know, the analyzing your finances and your data from bookings? Oh, I do love all of that. I really do. I know you said, what's my favorite muggle tasks? But like, I, I, I love looking at my, like that spreadsheet never closes. It's an open tab on my computer and it gets updated in real time all the time. Um, and I love just like, sometimes I just go over there to look at it. Isn't that awful? But it's the truth. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, I, I like I like the marketing aspect, too, like trying to research and find new production companies and and how do I tailor an email to them that feels personal and authentic and not like a canned uh, email that I just wrote, you know, to 500 other production companies. Um, Pre-pandemic, uh, I would send out just little fun uh, postcards to my clients and uh, leads, you know, people who who I want to be on their radar but who haven't hired me yet. And, you know, and, and the postcards never talked about voiceover. It wasn't like, hi, I'm a girl named Joey and, you know, I do voiceover, hire me. It was always something like um, like, uh, like for the, the Winter Olympics in, um, in South Korea, I made a uh, Winter Olympics bingo card. And you could, like, for whatever event you watched, you know, you, like, challenged yourself to get a bingo. So, you know, on, on the postcard, it was just something fun. Um, you know, I've, I've done, like, crossword puzzles and uh, Mad Libs and just kind of, like, you know, fun little things or, you know, celebrating summer or celebrating fall or whatever whatever I can think of. So I kind of enjoy that um, creative aspect of how can I make someone engage with this postcard <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a way that's that's authentic to me and my kind of fun sense of play um, and isn't selly, uh, but, you know, kind of sticks in their mind. Um, so that's something I've, I've enjoyed as well. But yeah, I would say those two things, looking at my spreadsheet and thinking of creative ways to market. That is so smart. I feel like it's fun to get a little glimpse into other people's marketing because I, I do feel like people keep keep it very close, like what they do for marketing. But every time we get a little glimpse, it's like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's very creative. But I haven't done it since the pandemic because so many people are working from home. Right. Um, so there's not an office to send really much to anymore. Um, so, so yeah, so now I'm, now I'm trying to challenge myself of, okay, now what do I do, you know? Yeah. Um, for those listeners who are listening and, and kind of like shaking and cowering, thinking, oh, gosh, I don't know where to even begin. What's a what's a good place for people to start if they really don't feel comfortable, like, say, with the spreadsheets or, you know, that sort of business data tracking side of things? You know, low and slow, right? Just start where you are. And it, even if it's just a legal pad uh, and a pencil, start there. 
uh, and and you know the the internet is your friend. If you're if you're scared of Excel, um, just start watching some YouTube videos. You know it'll it'll slowly sink in. But I, I think number one, you know, show yourself some grace and understand that you're learning a new skill. But then just don't be afraid of it. Like don't 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 send yourself the the negative message of like, but I'm a creative. I can't do this part. Yeah, you can. You can do both. It's it's it's. If you can, if you can navigate life, you can, <laughs> you can do this. Um, so yeah, I think, and and just taking it, taking it one bite at a time. You don't have to come out of the gate, you know, marketing with postcard, you know, like the stuff that I mean, that took years for me to to get to that point. It wasn't, I didn't come out of the gate doing that. So just you know, low and slow. Be 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 where you are and take one, you know, one little step forward at a time. And just over time, those little steps. Uh, you know, build upon each other and and you start to see some real progress. Um, but yeah, it can feel it can feel super slow going in the beginning. I mean, I started um, right. I started working at Edge in 2009 and and five years later is when I made the leap to full time talent. So uh, it just takes time. Did you make your demos there as well? Yeah, my first demos I did. Yeah. What did you start with? What was your first demo? Uh, I had a commercial demo and I had uh, just kind of a general narration demo. Um, and uh, I sent those to production studios and started on uh, Voice123 specifically. That's kind of how I started getting my first initial clients. Um, like I remember my my very first really big Voice123 job was something called Tech Mom. Nice. And it was for, <laughs> it was for, it was for a computer company. Um, and, I, and so I was like... You know this this mom who probably had like a ten year old, but she she's cool. She knows had technology. You know, <laughs> and so like literally this the character I voiced was named Tech Mom, um, and I just I was so excited. Uh, but yeah, like I was I was super nervous. One of my very first sessions at Edge, it was a corporate narration, and I'm I'm reading the script, and I look out, and the engineer is you know sitting at the window across from me, and I see him writing something on a big piece of paper, and he holds it up, and it's a sign that says "Slow down, dude." <laughs> Because I was going so fast because I was so nervous and my heart was beating in my chest. So, you know, we all start. We're all new when we start. Um, so just, you know, give yourself the, the grace to understand that you're new and you won't always be new and you will get better. And, um, you know, you just got to take one step at a time and, and get through the obstacles as they come. I love that. I feel like people do get overwhelmed very quickly. Or they just think they have to start out at a level 10. Right. You know, like they think that's where they have to start. And that's not where you have to start. For those who may not know, what kind of things are on a corporate narration demo? So I think, you know, anything that you would see kind of in the wild on a bank's website, on, um, you know, any kind of technology company website, um, anything that is, or even really, I think anything that's an extended version of a commercial, right? Commercial is a very quick, short, very casual and off the cuff. And, and I would say corporate narration is kind of moving that way or has moved that way a little bit. They want you to sound much more friendly and approachable, but there's still just a little bit of polish there so that you know, you sound like you know what you're talking about. Um, but so that can, that can cover all kinds of, of genres. But yeah, anything that's that's uh, I would say in commerce uh, would fit on a on a corporate narration demo. And what are some of your tricks when the script is really dark and heavy, where it's like lots of tech words or you know maybe even medical words that you don't quite know? What what kind of tips and tricks do you have for that? 
for me, it's just it's researching and repetition um, to get to get my tongue and my articulators used to saying them and then trying to figure out from the context of the phrase what that might mean, because sometimes you just say things and it just sounds like, you know, gobbledygook. You're like, I have right. no idea what I just said. <laughs> um, but I know I can tell from the phrasing that I should end down, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> so. Uh, so kind of decoding those um and and just yeah, repetition, taking your time, um, and uh, and and getting your 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 tongue and your articulators used to saying it, so that it comes off in a very casual kind of way. That's that's what I would say. But I I like the challenging scripts. I do. I like medical narration, and I like very jargony filled things. Is there a word that kind of still sticks in your brain? Digital. Digital is it sounds so like it seems like it should be so easy to say, but when you say it for the twenty fifth time, it comes out digital. I also struggle, especially in e-learning, um, when uh, there's a lot of W's and R's all n- close together. Like uh, in this module, we will review. <laughs> we will review. Sometimes it comes out. We will review. So, so those are some common Joey trip ups: digital and we will review. For for those people who don't know what medical narration entails, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So medical narration um, encompasses a lot. It encompasses uh, stuff that's aimed at doctors or, um, you know, researchers who people who are on the kind of the sciencey end of uh, medical, um, as well as stuff aimed at patients. Um, so uh, sometimes you're explaining the efficacy rate of a certain pharmaceutical or something like that that would be listened to by physicians or nurses or, you know, uh, researchers. But then, uh, you know, other times you're just explaining how to clean a wound. Um, or uh, like I, I did a recent video on um, how to clean a feeding tube. You know, like that's 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 aimed at the patient or the caregiver for sure. So, um, you know, you kind of you kind of flex your tone and um, and and speed uh, according to who your end audience is with medical narration and pharma stuff, for sure. Did you do a ton of COVID-related things last year? Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, there was like a whole wave <laughs> that hit, hit in March. I mean, I'm very thankful for it because like, uh, I don't I just would have been bored out of my mind probably. But um, but yeah, like the, the COVID read, right, which was uh, warm, friendly, trusting, like everything's going to be okay. You know, I, I had a lot, a lot of that. Um, COVID updates for hospitals. And um, and then I, I did a couple of um, kind of like uh, education modules on respirators, how to, how to use a respirator, how to um, insert one, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So let's talk about live announce because it's something that I don't know very much about at all and I'm so curious about and I'm sure listeners are too. So I guess I would love to start with road runners because my husband is a runner as well and he has actually run the New York City Marathon. Seems crazy still to me. But yeah, tell us like what what is it like to to announce the marathon? It's uh it's awesome. I mean, it's it's one of my favorite days uh to be or, or was one I no longer live in New York City, but uh, to be a New Yorker because number one, the whole city shows up for that race. Um, but from a live announce perspective, um, so I had I had the great fortune of being placed at the finish line of the marathon, but not not when the elites come through. So like when all of the elite athletes, uh, the the pros, you know, <laughs> who are like winning money, um, they they have the broadcast people from you know whatever network is airing it. They they do that. 
But once the elites are through and it's just, you know, the everyday people running it, that's when I would get on the mic. And and that is just it's just so inspiring. And, um, you know, because these people, they run the New York City Marathon and it's like a bucket list item for them. Right. And you get to be a part of that moment in their life. And, and it's 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 way more emotional than you would ever think. Like I tear up easily like 10 times in, in the afternoon or the evening that I do the marathon announcing because you're just seeing people who have worked so hard, trained so hard, achieve this moment. Um, and, you know, a lot of them are either like running for causes or, you know, family members. And, you know, that emotional wave comes over them. People are running, uh, you know, representing all kinds of different countries. I mean, there's 50,000, over 50,000 people run the race. And so they're all from all over the globe. And, you know, they're screaming out their country's names <laughs> as they cross the finish line, like, Brazil, <laughs> you know? And so, <laughs> and so you just, you know, you, you join them in that moment of pride and accomplishment and, uh, and you just see the human spirit overcome so much. Like there's, there's a guy who runs it every year. I don't know how he does it. Uh, he's an FDNY uh, guy and he runs it in the full gear. Like, the whole thing, like with the tank and the on his back and the helmet, like I don't know how he does it. Oh my gosh! And I I always leave that day, um, you know, horse. Like I have to book out the next day for sure because you've just you're talking for seven eight hours, and I talking in air quotes. It's more like shouting, um, for you know six seven hours, and you're on your feet. So like I leave there vocally exhausted, physically exhausted, but I could not be happier, you know, <laughs> like you just you just feel so good. Um, and I think that's for me, that's what live announce is. That's that's what it is for me. It's it's not so much like I'm sure it, it pays fine, but it's not it's nobody's getting rich off of doing live announce. But it's it's about being in those moments um, as opposed to booking a big gig. It's 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 being there when, uh, you know, somebody crosses the finish line, when somebody achieves this award, when somebody raises this, you know, phenomenal amount of money for a charity. Um, so it, it, that's what I like about it so much. That's so cool. Um, do you have a favorite gig that you can tell us about? Or is maybe it's the marathon? Oh, no. Well, the marathon uh, is great. I, I love that. And there's and there's all the races that you do leading up to it. So that's like the for the roadrunners, you know, it's just like the average Saturday in, you know, May uh, where it's just like, you know, an, a different race. It's like a four mile race or six mile race. But you start to get to know the running community. And, and that's really great. But no, and another live announced job that I did um, was uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was going to speak at Columbia because she they she went to Columbia Law School and they were throwing a big kind of like dinner gala for her celebrating her 25 years on the Supreme Court. And and I got the honor to live announce her introduction onto the stage. And like, what? Stephanie, I was shaking. Like, I couldn't believe it. I was so nervous just to say, ladies and gentlemen, you know, like, here, the Justice of the Supreme Court, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But I was, I was so nervous. But, and, and as soon as I was done, I just, uh, I just, again, that, that feeling of like pride and joy that, that uh, comes over you. So that was, that was a pretty great moment uh, for me. What do you do to prepare for these live announce? I'm imagining there's a lot of, again, like words, names, pronunciations that you need to go over. Yeah. So and and, and you just you have to accept you're going to pronounce somebody's name wrong. Like you just have to be OK with that. Um, like I do uh, graduation ceremonies um, for 
or have done them for uh, Pace and Pratt at Radio City Music Hall and Madison Square Garden and stuff. And in those and in those moments, it's so fast paced, like they literally just hand you a card with their name on it. And it's you hope you can read their handwriting <laughs> and and uh, and you just have to say it with confidence and, and, and just sound like you know you're saying it wrong and you have to be on the inside. You have to be like, OK, today I'm going to announce some people's names wrong and it's just going to be OK. You have to be good on your feet and on the fly uh, because in Live Announce, things change constantly. Maybe a month ago, I emceed a, a, a remote gala on Zoom. It's a it's a gala that in non-pandemic times, I'd emceed at, you know, some fancy schmancy hotel in New York City. But so even though we're all on Zoom, uh, as soon as the camera would cut away from me and go to a video or go to another speaker, um, the the producers would call me on my cell phone and be like, okay, when we come out of this video, we need to, da, 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 da. you know, so it's like, it's managing, managing several things and just remaining calm and cool and collected kind of no matter what, what they throw at you. Um, so I, I it's, it's, do- it's a totally different skill set than voiceover and, and you just got to be good rolling with the punches and, and thinking on your feet and that kind of stuff for sure. It seems like uh, being a theater artist is a good preparation for that since you kind of never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, actually. Absolutely. Because, yeah, exactly. In in theater, you just roll with it, right? Like something dramatic can happen and you just keep going like nothing ever happened. (laughs) Or, or, you know, you've got a quick, uh, you know, change off stage and you have to be back and look like everything's smooth and fine in 10 seconds. And uh, so, yeah, that's probably a very good, um, a very good point that theater training was really good for live and outs. How has it looked different in COVID times? Obviously, all on Zoom, but are you are you just a little black box with your name in it? Are you kind of on camera in a different way? Um, well, I would say people aren't doing as many events, or or they've changed them dramatically. Um, so the the gala that I was just referencing that was really my first live announce uh, job since the pandemic. Um, and for that one, I was on camera. It was kind of a holiday theme, so I had like a cocktail dress on and. And I personally had bought a lot of poinsettias because I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kind of set them up behind me in a kind of a holiday arrangement. Um, but yeah, no, I was I was on camera uh, when speaking. Um, and they, uh, you know, I guess there's a spotlight feature in Zoom so that uh, when I was speaking, nobody else could pull the camera focus away. And then they would control it, then, you know, go to cut to a video or cut to another speaker so that... And I would mute myself um, and take my camera off so that when I'm on the cell phone with the with the producer, nobody can see me. Uh, so yeah, so it, it it's 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 different, and you had to had to flex a little bit, but some of the aspects were still the same. I feel a little stressed talking about it. Like it feels like <laughs> like I wouldn't stay so calm under the pressure of of not pronouncing people's names properly and or getting those last minute changes. That seems like a a skill that you kind of either have or you don't. Maybe you can cultivate it a little bit. Yeah. And then did you, am I misremembering that you did something for New Year's Eve? Oh, yeah. So that, uh, I announced um, NBC's New Year's Eve broadcast programming this year for uh, New Year's Eve 2021. That's cool. Uh, it was cool. Uh, that, it was pre-recorded. Um, so that wasn't live. But uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was this year too. Um, and that was just like, I mean... Honestly, like any other voiceover session, it was me and an editor, you know, on the call in my booth. Um, so, so yeah, that that was not. It gives the appearance of live, but it is not live. 
if people are interested in, you know, learning more about Live Announce or uh, are there classes or how how can you how can we practice? You know, I I, I have never seen uh, a, a Live Announce class per se. I think, you know, Randy Thomas, who, who announces um, like the Tony Awards and uh, the Kennedy Center Awards. And I think she's done like the Oscars and the Emmys and stuff. She's she's she does some uh, coaching and she might do a class. Um, but, you know, as far as like the stuff I do of, you know, galas and charity fundraisers and expos and races, um, you know, nobody teaches a class in that. And it's really just or at least not that I've seen. Um, and it's really just kind of getting out there and and, you know, finding a way to get your foot in the door. Uh, I know it sounds funny, but like really that Staten Island Yankee gig was my foot in the door. It was and I, I had to audition for it. And and from that one job, you know, I feel like the whole that whole that whole side of the industry opened up from that one one gig. I feel like that is a uh, that happens often where you've got kind of one thing that opens the door to something else. And then suddenly your name's getting passed back and forth. But I think, you know, if it's if it's something that you want to get into, um, you know, start researching who puts on events, what production companies, what event production companies um, if there's a if there's a minor league baseball team in your town, you know, uh, figure out, uh, you know, do they have an on-field host or an in-stadium host or something like that? And and just, you know, kind of keeping keeping an eye out, keeping your antenna up for those type of op- opportunities. Um, so before we wrap up, what is your favorite piece of advice to give to people who are just starting out in the biz? Really get to know yourself as a talent. And know what you are and know what you're, you aren't and be okay with that and, and lean into it because that's what makes you you. That's what makes you special and that's what makes nobody else you and, and why you book. So um, the example I, I like to give is when I was first um, getting ready to make my first commercial demo and I knew I, I felt like I needed like a mom spot on there. And so I was doing all of these, I was pulling scripts for diapers and toys and, you know, and I would record them and listen back and be like, you know, it's good, but it's not like there are, there are women that do this better. And I just had an epiphany that I am not the voice of a mom of a newborn. Hmm. I'm the voice of a mom who's been around the block. Mm-hmm. You know, she's picking up dirty shoes and wiping snot off of doorknobs and, you know, like <laughs> that's... That's the mom I am, you know. And so once once you just kind of know what you are, really lean into that and and be okay with it. Know that I will never I will never sell deodorant. I will never sell, you know, anything that that uh needs that like bright, warm, you know, new mom, young, bright like you. I would you and I would never never be uh, any job you book, I wouldn't have a chance. You know what I mean? And <laughs> like, same, yeah. I was thinking right. that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, just like get to know your voice, get to, to know what you're good at and what you're not good at and be okay with that and then lean into that. What great, great advice. Thank you for that. Well, this was fantastic. Thank you. I feel like we, we learned a lot about things that, um, I didn't know very much about. So I always, I always enjoy that aspect of it. Um, well, thank you for being here, Joey. It was a pleasure to talk to you today. My pleasure, Stephanie. Anytime. Don't you feel like Joey's your bestie now? Seriously, there's something about her voice that just makes you feel like you know her. I loved what she said about thinking outside the box for marketing ideas and also knowing where your voice fits and doesn't fit in the industry. 
If you'd like to learn more about Joey, I'm linking her website and socials in the show notes, which you can find at my website, www.stephaniepamroberts.com podcast. And to stay updated about future episodes, please follow me on Instagram at stephaniepamrobertsvo. Also, I'd love to hear from you. If you have feedback or aha moments to share, or even if you have a question about voiceover or a guest that you'd like to hear from, please send an email to stephanie at stephaniepamroberts.com. Thank you so much for listening, and here's a little preview of next week's episode. If you concede and you go for the low rates, then you will always be, you know, low-rate Andrew. And I don't want to be low-rate Andrew. That's next week on Making It to the Mic.